It's Growing Up Punk episode two. We did it. Did you do it? We're live on the air. We are live and we are on the air. Testing, <laughs> testing, testing, testing. I just want to turn you down a little bit. Testing what? testicles. Testing testing <laughs> testicles. What? This is an entirely different show from what it once was. Yeah, this sorry. is now <laughs> this is now the show all about men's uh health. <laughs> testing your testicles. Uh no, but we are back for another episode of Growing Up Punk. Aaron can hardly contain himself. Uh we're gonna talk about so we, we started the journey last episode. Uh talking about MXPX, a band that played a pivotal role for both of us in, uh, you know, kind of getting things going as far as that musical journey of punk rock is concerned. I know you were saying, um, you know, kind of outside of recording, that uh, MXPX wasn't specifically your first punk band that that you got into. Is that right? Yeah. Like, yeah, there was a few. I think, actually, Slick Shoes was uh, one of the first actual ones I got. Um, but I think MXPX was just the one that kind of maybe had more influence on me kind of immediately. Right. Um, and then kind of, you know, as time went on and figured out more stuff and got the internet and, you know, could see pictures of bands and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure technically for me, like the first punk band I ever listened to and identified as liking, probably like a lot of us who grew up in the 90s was Green Day. But yeah. uh, but I mean, as far as like going out and buying something and going, okay, this is where the journey begins and where I say the journey began for me was with MXPX. But I bring all that up because for myself, I'm pretty sure this next band that we're going to talk about, which I don't know why I'm being secretive. It's literally in the title of the show. <laughs> we are talking about face to face. We're not, we're, there's, we're no, there's no beating around the bush here. What if I'm not in you? I, I say, you know, like attributing MXPX because I believe the first time I heard of Face to Face was reading MXPX liner notes. So we talked about that in the last show about yeah. going through liner notes and just kind of discovering new bands. Um, so can you specifically, I mean, maybe not the very place that you heard it, but do you, do you remember when you first heard or heard about Face to Face? Yeah, and I was going to say, I think uh, it was in a, through MXPX, whether in a liner note or they were wearing one of their shirts or something and just thinking the name was cool. And uh, yeah, my brother had, he went to the, went to the city. So he was a few years older than me. And uh, so he came back with a bunch of records. One was MXPX is at the show. And he also came back with face to faces first live record and also an EP called over it, which I couldn't find on streaming services, but yeah, they don't have much in the way of EPs up on, the streaming services it seems these days they like to focus on the full links which i mean i'm it's fine by me that's typically yeah what i go for anyway because i want the more music the better but yeah over it it looks like uh came out in 1994 what was on it i want to i've I just got face to face their discogs open i want to see if i oh yeah i like disconnected a-okay so there i want to say that must have come out right before or right after uh let's go up here so, oh, same so, same year's big choice. Okay, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, I didn't really know 
know much about that IP, that EP, and I can't even honestly remember a whole lot of the songs on it. Yeah. Uh, the live record was definitely what kind of um, yeah. took my attention, and which was kind of weird because there was that was probably the first band that I got into through a live album, sure. or even like a live album that I'd even heard. Like, yeah, maybe I'd it, even really noticed what that was, but. Yeah, that live album was huge for me. Like, um, I can remember, uh, I want to say, I, I think I bought Big Choice first because I, I'm pretty sure I read, like, the liner notes and then immediately was like, I got to go get something. And Big Choice was, I don't know if it was the one that jumped out to me because of the artwork or if it was just literally what was available. But the the only three face-to-face albums, like, when I was, you know, growing up that I owned were uh, Big Choice the live album and how to ruin everything and that live album you're right like uh there's not a lot of live albums that i compare to it that uh hold up because we talked we talked about this a little bit over text messages just the fact that live albums don't typically don't typically like kind of grab my attention as much as say like a studio album does right, right and we're, yeah. we, were, we were talking about that because what there's a new live album that just came out by face to face and it's legit a banger of an album so good it is so good and you know what i love about it i haven't actually compared the tracks but i feel what they did for the most part because now they have at least i mean two for sure i'm trying to think if they i mean there may be like on apple music or something like some live sessions or something but two official live albums for sure and i don't know if there's any crossover tracks outside of maybe one because i feel like yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I think they did more, like more so new ones that I recognized, yeah. anyways. Yeah, I mean that that first live album had what two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, six, eighteen, like eighteen to twenty songs on it. Whereas mm-hmm. this one, the one that just came out, Live in a Dive, I think only has like ten songs. But yeah, um, oh, I forgot to look at something. Um, I'm an idiot, but I they definitely focused more on on this new record of just being like, yo, we, we have this live album out. If you really want to go listen to all of these songs, you know, like your favorite songs live, go listen to it. Except I think disconnected is on both of them. Maybe uh, I just want to double check, but guaranteed. I mean, that for sure wasn't the full show that they released from that night. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was yeah, definitely more to the point and newer and, um, but which I think is really cool. Like I don't know a lot of bands yeah. that have more than one live album, yeah. But you know there was you know twenty years in between and <laughs> yeah and so I, I thought it was really cool just to showcase kind of where they're at and that they're still you know so good live yeah and that a huge part of you know that genre of music is captured in a live setting and so this, I, yeah I was gonna say this is interesting to that disconnected actually wasn't on that live album which is crazy because out of all the songs on that album like disconnected is easily the oldest I don't like it was out before. Was it out? Yeah, it, must, it had to have been out before that live album. Yeah, Disconnected. Unless I'm just thinking wrong and it was actually... Sometimes I get their songs confused. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure on the, on the timeline on that, too. Oh, I'm just like flipping back and forth between all of their... Um, oh, is that a covers album? That must be, Maybe. Uh, I'm just flipping back and forth between all of their albums on Discogs right now. And I'm trying to find Disconnected. I should have known this, right? <laughs> I... 
I feel we like, do, oh yeah. We do research on the air. That's, we do research as that's we the talk. level we're at. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Disconnected for sure was out before the live album. It's on Big Choice. And is it, you know what the, you know what I think might have happened here? Because then is it also on? The self-titled? It's also on Don't Turn Away, so their first album. Uh, but on, on Big Choice, I think I know why it's not on the live album. On Big Choice, at the beginning of Disconnected, you can hear them. There's like this like little skit sort of deal that they do where they're like talking to like uh, like a record label exec or whatever. And they're like, well, we, that song was on our last album. We don't want to put it on this album. And then they play it. So I'm guessing that's why it wasn't on the live album because they're like, we've already had it on two albums in our first five years of existence. <laughs> So I mean that's a that's a fair play. So it is on yeah. the the live and a dive record though, um, which is which is kind of cool. Ties it all together for sure. But, yeah. So yeah, we 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 jumped way ahead. We're here to talk about face to face. So, had, I guess the, maybe the next next part we look at is how have you seen them live? How many times have you seen them live? I got to finally see them for the first time, as far as I can remember. Uh, maybe last two years. Well, I guess since Protection came out, which I think was yeah. 2016. So shortly after that, they came through Regina, and it was amazing. I was so stoked, and you know, I, I love that bands like that are still touring, especially in these parts because we don't get yeah. a lot of those kind of shows through here. So yeah. yeah, it was amazing, and they're still like I'm always blown away by bands of that age and that have toured for so long and that they can just still be so good live and have the energy and you know or command a crowd and yeah, yeah it was amazing yeah they were i saw them on that same tour actually i'm assuming it was the same tour um because i saw them after protection came out and going into that show i didn't really because they're a band for me that i kind of like stopped paying attention to a little bit yeah, for a period too. of time and Today, actually, I was doing some work around the house, just finishing things up uh, in the basement. There's still like one or two minor things, but I was putting some shelves up today or whatever. And I was, I was just listening to. I think over the course of the weekend, for sure, I listened to every single studio album that they've put out. And uh, for sure, there's a stretch there where I kind of like. Um, I mean, but granted, there was also <laughs> keeping in mind there was a stretch. Yeah, there was a nine-year difference between How to Ruin Everything and their next album. Like oh, that wow. is insane. Yeah. And so, yeah. like how, how to Ruin Everything, I absolutely loved. Like they were on uh, that was their technically, I think their third record on Vagrant Records because the live one was released on Vagrant, um, and then Reactionary in two thousand, and then How to Ruin Everything in two thousand two, and then after that, yeah, nine years. Two thousand eleven was their next full length that was laugh now laugh later and then in 2013 three chords and a half truth but those two records laugh now and laugh later and then three chords and a truth for me i put them on and there was a reason why i kind of stopped paying attention to them i suppose or lost interest a little bit yeah. they're they're not bad records but i mean and, and i'm assuming like they'd probably grow on me in fact like listening to Live in a Dive, I then picked up and recognized some songs that I didn't necessarily know very well that then when I was listening back to those two records, I was like, oh yeah, like I, I know these songs now because I recently heard them on a live record where they play them and they're fantastic. And uh, But but I think on a whole, those those two records, but the thing is, that's literally like 11 years, well, I guess really 2002 to 2016 before they released something that I actually really ended up enjoying again. So that's that's 14 years in between, and I kind of lost you know touch with them for a little bit there. But 
Um, yeah, I all that to say, I actually saw them uh, on that tour, and then I saw them back when they were touring How to Ruin Everything, so it was probably in 2002, and they were touring with your favorite band. Can you guess who they were on tour with when I say your favorite band? Um, like just just soaked <laughs> in sarcasm. <laughs> oh, they were, I got I got to think of who that would be. They were touring with Monine. Oh, okay, yeah, well. <laughs> like I said, your I favorite I didn't know if you band. actually meant like it was just a band that I really liked and you didn't. No. However, it's a band you really like and I don't, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, why did they have to do that? Come on. And, and I think they were, they were both on Vagrant at the time, for sure. Right. It was a, it was a really weird show, though, because face-to-face, Monine, and they were on tour with one other band, but they that tour rolled into town to Calgary is where I saw them the same day as it was like the Punkorama tour or something like that. Mm. And it was like gutter mouth and riddling kids. And so it just ended up being this like giant show that we went to. Cause instead of doing two separate shows, they just played the same show. So it was almost like a, a bit of an wow. indoor festival, which That's it was awesome. rad, but I was, I only wanted to see face to face and Monine. Like I didn't have any interest in, in the other tour that was rolling through really. So it just like yeah. made this really bloated day, but, um, but face to face, they were, I mean, they were so good. Yeah, there was, uh, and then kind of the next, uh, really impactful record of theirs was, was the self-titled one, which we reviewed kind of, back when the podcast was called something else and that episode is not available <laughs> anymore anyways. Um, I mean, it may, show up, that, it may show up in the lost tapes. <laughs> yeah. I found it uh, in the town I grew up in, there was like this liquidation like furniture store and they had this storefront like pawn shop basically. So I always went there looking for CDs and I found that face-to-face one and I didn't really know anything about it, but I had, you know, my brother had those CDs and, and then that was that kind of really solidified my my love for the band, like, and still yeah. one of my favorite albums, and definitely my favorite album of theirs. And we talked about in that episode um, something that always stood out with Face to Face for me is I've always loved Trevor Keith's like lyric writing. I just always felt like he had something to say, and he didn't. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't. The only time I think I've ever heard the guy swear is on live albums, which is kind of confusing. To, not not that he would swear on a live album, but I'm like always just kind of surprised when you like see, you know, like where they came up through and the bands that they were playing with, and like just that whole scene, right? Like he yeah. writes these songs that I think pack a lot of punch, but he doesn't like. He 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 never feels the need, I guess you could say, to. Um, to cheapen his words a little bit. Like I think there's a time and a place for sure when it comes to, to language in songs and some bands abuse that some bands nail it right on the head. And then he just doesn't feel the need. And I'm like, huh. but, um, but yeah, that I was going to say with, with their self-titled record, which has always made me laugh too. Once I figured it out and I didn't figure this out until really like looking at streaming services. And uh, so this is within the past few years, I always confused the self-titled record with ignorance is bliss. Like I thought the cover art of oh. this, of the self-titled record was the cover art of ignorance is bliss. Like, hmm. I don't, I have no idea why, but that's always like been this, it was always this thing in my brain. Like, Oh, when I picture the cover of the guy, like staring in the mirror or whatever, I'm like, yeah, that's ignorance is bliss. 
Nope. <laughs> no, it's face to face. Yeah, self-titled. Yeah, yeah it's, it's li- the art it's is literally literally the name. on the nose. Yeah, it's, and but for some reason, I think maybe because I had heard people describe like ignorance is bliss as like oh face to face like going through an emo phase, not necessarily making emo Yikes. music, but lyrically being more you know emotional or whatever. And so like the cover art oh, okay. of the cover art of the self-titled album just like reflects that a little and <laughs> reflects because he's looking in a mirror uh reflects that a little more but yeah no it's it's um i for forever forever i always got that confused and i am not 100 percent sure why <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah and then the album after that uh was reactionary i believe yeah. and that was the last cd of theirs i bought until protection came out so yeah, yeah i'm the same i kind of and i think Part of the reason why I kind of lost interest, like my musical um, interests were kind of shifting around that time more to heavier stuff. I still always checked it out, but it just didn't really, none of those albums really left a lasting impression on me. And and so, yeah, I, I love that Protection came out and it's just such a ripper of an album. And uh, today I was listening to, um, they have a comment commentary on that album on Spotify on spotify and they were saying that they thought it's the best face-to-face record that they've done Hmm. which was really cool like you don't hear many bands that have been around for that long think that i mean yeah i know every band says their latest is their best but when you have a legendary band like that you know it's it's interest interesting that that they would have that perspective do you know did they say when that was like that commentary was recorded um, it sounded like it was like fairly shortly after protection was put out. That's fair. Yeah. Um, cause I, I wonder like if they went back and if they were to go back and record that now, like what they, what they would say would be like, Oh, it's actually like fifth down the line now. Um, uh, but it, it was actually like, so reactionary was kind of like the start of me not listening to face to face as much. Like I was definitely always more familiar with like the live album and before and then there was a bit of like a gap and then how to ruin everything because how to ruin everything it must have been probably the first album that i was a fan of the band before it came out Hmm. you know like and so and i still love i love everything about that record when i put it on i just love how like the production on it to me sounds a little more raw um, and then all I can do every time I, I listen to that album for every song, which is not a good thing, but for every song, all I can think of is the video for the song on there, the new way, which is like about like, it's, it's the, I want to say it's just like a single shot, like a oneer, where they follow a guy into the venue and is it a oneer? And it's just like, anyway, he like goes into the show well, there was a new MXPX video that did something similar that reminded me a little bit of it from their, from their new album, but it like follows them into the show or whatever. And then it like pans around and the band's playing on stage. It might not be a oneer. I may be confusing dashboard confessional may have also done a video similar, <laughs> which are two very different bands, but we're both on vagrant at the same time. So right. that's, my, that's my excuse. But the video, I just always remember for uh, the new way, just like, stuck with me i loved i loved it and i watched it on repeat because i had it on a vagrant records dvd yeah awesome yeah face to face was also a band that uh one of like as i was getting into band merch they were pretty up there with you know like mxpx would have been the first and they were definitely pretty close after that um actually i found one of their shirts uh 
in your sweet city of Edmonton at the mall. There used to be this uh, sweet band shirt place, and they had this really killer face-to-face shirt, and I wish I still had it. <laughs> what, what, what was the, like, the merch design? There was like one guy was like boxing another and kind of like the boxing glove was going oh. towards his face kind of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think if was that was that artwork for one of their albums or am I thinking does it just remind me of cuz that's like similar art design to um like the Vagrant Records DVD like the DVD they were on. Uh, it featured yeah, it boxers been. on the cover but but yeah, I don't it doesn't look like it was cover art for any of their any of their albums, but uh yeah, no, I I don't think I ever owned anything by Face to Face actually. Oh, and I when they came through again, I got uh, a shirt of theirs. However, I should have bought a size larger. Oh no! <laughs> as it like washed it and it shrunk a bit and just wasn't comfortable, so I don't really ever wear it, which is a bummer. But it's yeah, it's always interesting to me thinking back to bands that were influential on me, yeah. and how it wasn't just the music, but also with merch. Yeah, you know, like when I when I got a shirt of a band. For some reason, it kind of like solidified that, yes, I really love this band because I'm wearing their <laughs> shirt now. And it was pretty hard to get merch back then, you know, at least yeah. where I was. You know, even in stores and stuff, there wasn't really anything. And, you know, yeah. you could probably find it online, but it was expensive and took forever to ship. And so it's, yeah, it's fun thinking about, you know, that side of things as well. So were you always like a merch collector, as it were? Yeah. Because like I... I never really, like, when I think about it, I'm like, I, I mean, I, we talked in the last episode, you know, I had an MXPX t-shirt uh, that I got at HMV. I had a Blink shirt that I got at HMV. But then I don't think I really had any uh, any band merch outside of music until probably, like, within the last few years. Well, <laughs> like if I, yeah. yeah. Like, for since I got into punk music... 80% of my shirts are band shirts, even still. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I, I, can... buy, I buy some shirts, but you know how you mentioned you should have bought a size larger or whatever? Uh, most of the time now I find, because I, I'll do like pre-order stuff for you know releases coming out or whatever, and they'll be like, oh, get a bundle. It's like, all right, cool. That sounds like a, like, a, like a decent deal. And then I get a bundle, and it's like, oh, this shirt is like doesn't fit me even remotely like whether it's yeah. like oh this is it's too big or it's too small i'm like i wish there was just like one standard size for shirts you know all smalls were the exact same size medium <laughs> large you know what i mean it's yeah. it's like a freaking guessing game when you, you order gotta something. buy extra large and get it specially tailored <laughs> i i suppose and actually i typically buy extra large because there was uh uh, oh, is for the Wonder Years? I, I like I did like a Sister Cities pre-order, and so I I pre-ordered a shirt and I got it extra large, and it fits like a dream. Like it's so nice. And then I went and saw them on tour for that album, and I was like, okay, you know, like kind of naively, I suppose, thinking like, yeah, their their merch sizes are they're going to be like the same. So I'll, yeah, I'll get this shirt in an extra large, and I get it. It's like a tent. It's like massive on me. I'm like, I was, why? I was just gonna say, just buy every shirt in like three XL and just wear them as a dress. <laughs> just, wear, just wear them as a. Or moo-moo. just like sew the bottom half, 
cut the bottom <laughs> half down and just turn it into like shorts, like yeah, a jumper. I was, yeah, I was gonna say a romper or whatever. I mean, those are in right now. Can you imagine when are when punk are punk rock bands, rompers? Yeah, when, this needs to be a thing. Patent that right now. Punk rock oh, rompers. Man. Punk rompers. Are you a punk rocker? You need a punk romper. <laughs> yeah, no gitch, just free flowing in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, people will love you when you're crowd surfing. <laughs> oh, sorry, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, how did we skip this? How do we blow right past this? This is like, I mean, I, I understand with this show what we're trying to do is, you know, discuss music we used to listen to for the most part. Well, we still listen to, but um, we both just came off seeing the Interrupters in the last week. Yeah. And they were, I mean, I, I know I, I, the, the Edmonton show was crazy. You said the... The Regina show was really good. Yeah. Been a while since I've seen a band that just like completely like I was like from start to finish of their set. I was just like, yeah, I didn't even know necessarily all of the songs, um, yeah. but I knew, you know, enough of them. But the crowd was off or like going off. They were going off. And the thing that I loved was I don't know about the Regina show, but the Edmonton show was an all ages show. Yeah. And so like kids, there were kids everywhere. It was like a family event. And like Amy Interrupter is like interacting with every single one of them all of the time. I was like, this is so great. Yeah, was, yeah she does such a great job of that. And even yeah. like to correlate the two back to when I was saying um, for a band, you know, not that face to face or like grandpas or anything. But <laughs> I, I specifically remember when they played here just thinking that they did such a great job of, of you know, commanding the crowd. Yes, there wasn't kids and. You know, most of yeah. the people were drunk and having a good time. <laughs> but you, you see a lot of punk bands where it's like, you know what, they're just calm. They're just going to play. They don't. It's not that they don't want to interact with the crowd, but they just kind of do their thing. But I remember specifically Trevor Keith just being really well at um, kind of, you know, yammering back and forth with the crowd and engaging them and, and making it really, um, yeah, enjoyable for everyone to be there. So. Yeah, when I saw them on that tour, it was a bit of a bummer, but also kind of neat at the same time because I don't know how many people were at the Regina show, but the Edmonton show, there was maybe 200 people. Like, it was... You had you had space on the floor. Like, you, you didn't have to... Like, you could stand right in front of the stage and you weren't going to get bumped by anyone for the most mm. part. Like, it was... They played in the same venue that the Interrupters just played in, which I think is like a 900-person oh, capacity. Wow. So, like... It's it's two floors there, right? You have the upstairs where you can kind of got the bird's eye balcony view, and then downstairs. So for face to face, the upstairs was closed, and then downstairs was you know it was there was there was a fair amount of space, which was kind of a bummer because we just came off seeing Mill and Colin maybe two months or so prior, and like that show was yeah. packed. It was at a different venue, but that show was packed, full yeah. of energy. So. Um, but yeah, no, face to face, they've always been like, I can put them on any time and just be like, yep. And like even recently, like we the live album just came out, Live in a Dive. But right before that, they released an acoustic album. Oh, yeah. And dang if it isn't like so, yeah, so good. good. Yeah, yeah, like there there's a few like maybe stylistic choices on that record where I'm like, I don't know if I would have quite gone so like country. <laughs> Uh, or whatever, but and the, yeah. song, the song selection was great too on that record. Yeah, and I'm sure it's kind of hard to know, you know, when when it's upbeat songs, you're not gonna do like acoustic punk drumming. So the yeah. only other way to really go is that kind of country like jam polka shuffle thing. Yeah, 
but yeah, I thought they did a really good job of still making it interesting. You know, they had yeah. cool leads and you know different percussion things. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and good, like, and I mean, yeah. Obviously, some of them they they slowed the tempo tempo down a little bit. Um, like for instance, the song "Blind." Like it's it's not played at the same tempo that they play it live. Yeah. Most of them, I want to say, they slowed down. But some of them, they really kind of, I think, embrace that. Um, which was refreshing. It's nice because now I can legit take face to face and put them on at any time of day. <laughs> yeah. Even if I'm, true. you know, even if, you know, if I want to wake up in the morning and I just want a blast of energy so I can get my day going and I can face everything the world's throwing at me. Well, 99.9% .9 of their discography is perfect for that. If I just want to mellow out, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to sleep or I just want to like ease into the day. Now you got yeah. uh, hold fast and it's, it's so good too. So uh, definitely, they're they're a versatile band. Even though I wouldn't have said that when you you know when I kind of initially look at their discography, like a lot right. of their stuff yeah. sounds pretty similar, right? Like yeah. you know a face to face song when it comes on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they mentioned that <clears throat> in the commentary too. Just that they like when a song comes on, and they know even for themselves. When they have that thought, like this is a classic face-to-face -face song, right. you know, they still want to write those kind of songs. They're definitely an example of a band. You know, people will complain about bands changing and blah 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 blah. They're they're definitely uh, an example of a band that has held true. Like their yeah. their their style is basically the same now. I mean, it's probably more refined. Would be yeah, fair to sure. say, um, but it, but it's still the same now as it was then. Like you're not. You know, there's no there's no curveballs thrown at you. They haven't released as as much as I actually like the album. They haven't released like an American Idiot, which was just an about turn. You know, like for a band like whoa, Green Day now sounds very different, right? Like yeah, sort of deal or whatever. You know, other other options or other examples that are out there. But yeah, with face to face, it's like hey, if you want a skate punk album, well, since 1992, face to face <laughs> have been releasing them. Almost every two years, except for except an eleven, for except for an eleven-year <laughs> hiatus. I don't know, but yeah, no, they uh, they definitely know how to how to keep it, which is an, a testament to them too. Because now that we're at, um, you know, protection. I was when I, when I saw protection come out, and initially I was kind of like, because I was like, I saw they were coming, so I was like, I should probably listen to the new album. I was like, eh. Even at that point, I was like, it's okay. I didn't come to realize how good that record was until I bought Protection on vinyl at Punk and Drublick. They weren't playing at Punk and Drublick, but I believe it was released on Fat Records. Yeah. Uh, and so at Punk and Drublick, there was a Fat Records merch table, and they just had a box of vinyl. And so I was, like, flipping through. There was a bunch of decent stuff, but, like, nothing that was immediately capturing me because it was, like, you know, it was, like, oh you know the second newest mad caddies album that i was like oh i'm thinking about it or whatever right and then i came across face-to-face -face protection and i was like yeah i'll get it and then i put it on and went man this record is so good especially the way it starts like it just kicks you in the face and you talk about like that classic face-to-face -face sound uh it's 110 percent that and we're literally yeah. you know we're talking what what 19 i think they they started in 90 well they they started in 91 i guess and that record came out in what 2016 2016 so yeah. that's 25 years at that point they're releasing yeah, music that's crazy so crazy <clears throat> what else is crazy is that their bass player is literally the brother of the guitar player from the foo fighters 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I, you, I, it's funny because I, I never put like two and two together, which is dumb of me because both of their last names are Shiflet. <laughs> um, right. So that's their their current bass player. Yeah, I, th- I think he's been. In, has he not been in the band the whole time? I mean, maybe uh, I not. Totally he's been remember. in the band for. I feel like he's been in the band for a long time. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely recognize that last name. I wouldn't have known that about the Foo Fighters. But, yeah, it looks it looks um, like his his first face to face record that he played on was the self titled album. So 1996 is when he joined the band. Wow. Um, yeah, but uh, where are we here? He is the brother of Foo Fighters lead guitarist Chris Shiflett, which is great because I've looked at pictures of both of them and thought, man, they look alike. <laughs> And then one day I just happened to be, I believe, I was probably, yeah, I was looking up face-to-face for whatever reason. I don't even know when this was because it wasn't, you know, in preparation for this or the last episode that we did where we featured face-to-face. Um, I just was looking them up for some reason and then went, oh, snap. Like, he is the brother of the lead guitar player of the Foo Fighters. So that's yeah. Why hasn't cool. that tour happened yet? Right? Face-to-face and Foo Fighters? <laughs> I wonder if it little, has little happened. A little too drastic? No, do you think it's happened? I wonder if it's happened. I've never happened. heard of it. Maybe like a one-off show or something, but maybe they just know they have their crowds and they don't want to. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm yeah. I'm 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 definitely. He also plays with me first in the Gimme Gimmies, by the way. But um, I'm sure it, it's they've they've def- definitely played shows together. I'm curious. Foo Fighters. This is the Google machine. Face. Book. Nope. <laughs> I don't want their Facebook. <laughs> I'm typing with one hand while I hold a mic here. Uh, tour. Let's see. Let's see. Come on, Google. Come on, Google. What's this? <laughs> this is from Ju- uh, June 15th, 2002. Viva Death, a Foo Fighters face-to-face collaboration. More information surfaced about Viva Death. Oh, it's a new band formed by Foo Fighters guitarist Chris Shiflett. His brother, face-to-face bassist Scott face-to-face frontman trevor keith what never heard of that i know <laughs> wait a minute now i'm like i gotta check the- oh, viva death it does actually sound very familiar what does this say um face-to-face viva death reportedly features a darker sound than both foo fighters and face-to-face at times are calling the likes of fugazi or Jawbox. oh Yikes. man no, I, <laughs> I i must have i must have heard this viva death because it, it does sound familiar but I, I just I, I came in here to find out if there was a tour. <laughs> well, that description toured. wouldn't wouldn't have drawn me in at any time, so that's probably why. I... Oh, I, I love Fugazi. Mm. They're it, it, which is interesting because um, uh, I first really started listening to them when I was reading the biography of Dave Grohl. Uh, like it gets they get like he came, Dave Grohl came out of the same scene, like the DC hardcore scene. As you know, like Fugazi and right. Minor Threat and all that stuff. It's still Viva Death apparently is still around. It says they are an American rock band mm-hmm. formed from members. So we're about to hear them. <laughs> are you ready for this? I'm so ready. You're gonna hear it over your phone. Who knows if it'll be any good? I hear nothing. Oh, that's because the volume's down. Good job, me. That's a win for me. Let's just jump ahead. <laughs> I can't. It's, it's that song's called Broken Oaths. I'd have to check it out. The name definitely rings a bell to me, but that's funny. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I might be back there and 
in the memory box with a bunch of random stuff. Well, and I think this is going down a bit of a rabbit hole because I, I believe Trevor Keith, um, I want to say he had like a, a mashup thing that he was a part of. Did you ever hear about that? Uh, no. Uh, it's called, it's called the Legion of, of the Legion of Doom. Is a music production team and electronica group famous for their download-only mashup album, Incorporated Remixes, Incorporated Remixes and Original Music for Horror Soundtracks. Sounds sketchy. So this is Trevor Keith and Chad Blindman. Who's Chad Blindman? Why is that name familiar? I don't know. But uh, the some of the, the like they'd be mashups that were they were pretty rad because it was like, hmm. I know what you buried last summer, which was. Buried Alive by Census Fail and You're So Last Summer by Taking Back Sunday. Dottie in a Car Crash. I'm a Loner Dottie, a Rebel by the Get Up Kids and Understanding in a Car Crash by Thursday. So they were like mashing up like oh, I see. current at the time anyway or, or semi-current because right, yeah. I don't remember this came out. But um, like post-hardcore emo punk songs. It was, it was pretty great. Uh, they have one called Stupid Kill, which is Stupid Kid by Alkaline Trio and Kill Me Quickly by Thrice. Maybe that one. Nice. Maybe that one knocks on your door a little bit. Yeah, but, that's intriguing. Yeah, it's Trevor Keith, man, because he also um, he's done like production work. I know, for instance, he uh, where am, oh, I'm, oh, I'm, am I back on? Oh yeah, I'm on Trevor Keith. Uh, I'll say he's produced. I know he did the the No Motive record, uh, which is oh, celebrating twenty yeah twenty yeah. years this year. Uh, he's produced on a bunch of face to face. What he produced face to face. What? What a guy. Yeah. What else did he do on here? Oh, he, he produced a couple No Motive albums. Oh, and Monine. Uh, and and Viva Death. <laughs> Which is funny. Oh, he did a split with Dropkick Murphys that he produced. Anyways, whatever. Cool. Uh, down that rabbit hole. But so, Face to Face as a band for me, they were, um, they were a band that actually meant something to me. If mm. that if that makes sense. Like, I, like in what as, way? Well, just like as a as a songwriter, so when I was, you know, like really heavily listening to Face to Face, I was just like smack dab in the middle of playing and writing punk show, you know, like playing punk shows, writing punk. Just I thought you were that, gonna say puberty, not punk. Smack dab <laughs> in the middle of puberty. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I mean, they meant so much to me during that time. <laughs> there was probably a little bit of that too. I don't know. But no, they uh, just like lyrically how Trevor Keith, again, going back to that, how he would write his songs. I always felt like there was there are specific songs I can think of that I wrote that I was like, I want to write a face to face slash Trevor Keith mm. song. Right. Like yeah. where I'm like, I want to use um, just the way. Yeah. The way the way he would write songs and the, the content was always pretty like. Uh, like, I don't think he ever wrote songs that were super deep if that makes any sense. Yeah. But I I always just felt like the content in those songs was like something that you could easily grasp onto, especially, you know, for a, for a high school kid who was wishing he was angrier than he was. (laughs) 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 I wish I had something to be mad about, but here I am sleeping in my house. That's got a furnace in it. And I got a roof over my head and my parents feed me. Uh, I wish I could be angry about something. (laughs) Well, face to face, yeah, they wouldn't be that band to uh, to get you angsty. Well, and the thing I actually like about them, and and to this day is also like with their songwriting is that he doesn't really write lyrics that feel like they're being shoved down your throat. 
right? Yeah, like they're I can think of a few bands where they've got you know specific things that they you know that they stand for, and and maybe it's more like maybe maybe Trevor does have songs that some other people would be like, man, it just feels like he's cramming whatever it is that he believes down my throat, right? But I think about bands like Good Riddance, for instance. Right. Um, I'm like when they when they get into the, like their vegan songs or whatever, I'm kind of like ah, you lose me a little bit because they're <laughs> they're so on the nose. I think yeah. Um, and same with like even like going back and looking at you know bands like Minor Threat going back to that DC scene, um, and Ian Mackay just like obviously some of his like lyrics in regards to like Straight Edge and stuff like that. Where yeah, when I would have been first discovering that music. I for sure would have identified as straight edge. Uh, I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs, any of that. But at the same point, I wasn't like, you know, there was none of that sort of, you know, you're, you're screwing your life up if you're doing this and you're, right. you know, yeah. Whereas I think you can find that in some of that music, but Trevor Keith, I have no idea. I have no idea any of his actual, like anything beyond you know like the 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 surface sort of thing with his songs like you might i guess with some songs get a little bit in until maybe in like relationship sort of things and but i at the same point i don't know if you know what what he's writing if it's autobiographical or not right but he doesn't he doesn't shove things down your throat yeah well yeah and he mentioned on that commentary how uh yeah he typically just kind of writes about stuff going on in life and kind of, you know, looking inwards into oneself. But then he said for protection, he kind of got, like, sick of that, you know, how celebrities or whatever would post something, and he would just, you know, say, oh, that's a bunch of BS, just be who you're going to be. And so for protection, he just kind of wrote about whatever he wanted to, and I don't know if that makes sense, but... Yeah, no, I mean... I don't know if that's different than how he he used to write or not, but um, I mean every now every now and then you can definitely kind of hear something come out because I wouldn't say at the same point I wouldn't say they're like a happy go lucky band like it's not like that where yeah, they're just like right. I they're definitely not just writing fluff I just think they go about it in a way where it's you know it's easy to attach yourself to um, yeah regardless I think of where kind of you you may stand on certain things. Is your house yeah. blowing up? You keep beeping. <laughs> uh, well, I'm in the basement by the furnace, so you might hear that. And there's a like the internet thing beeps every so often. It's <laughs> just letting you know the internet is still here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I don't know what that is. Sorry, it's I nice know it's that it's, it's nice that it does that for you. <laughs> well, you know I, I don't know done. what it's beeping if it's low battery or it's just been doing that forever. So that's anyways. funny. <laughs> hopefully, it's <laughs> sorry not like, if that's distracting. It, no, no, it's it's. Hopefully, it's not like your car. You, you said you're sitting beside the furnace, so hopefully, it's not a carbon monoxide detector that you're just ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> There's some you know, smoke going on down here. I'm not sure. Aaron, what's... Aaron's just gonna go silent all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> knock knock. Are you there? Oh man. Oh, no. Yeah, no, face to face, man. They uh I was gonna, I I literally had written down in uh I, I think this is for not just this episode, but in like the things to talk about. Are you still listening? Yeah, I think it's obvious that we're both still listening to face to face. Yeah. Or would it be more accurate to Always. say listening again because I think with that still listening question here, like they're still making music. And right. there there yeah, was a, so there was definitely a stretch there where I wasn't really listening. I'd just go back to my you know, my favorites or whatever. Yeah. But definitely I in preparation for this episode I could not stop listening to Protection 
and then Live in a Dive. Live in a Dive more so led me to listen to Protection because of the number of songs yeah. off of it. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a jam. So instead of asking if you're still listening, you didn't really have an answer for this song or this song, this question last time. So I'm hoping you're a little more prepared. But do you have a favorite album and a favorite face-to-face song? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with the self-titled with Protection very close after. But, I mean, self-titled, I guess, with any album that's been on for a while. I mean, obviously, there's 20 years of memories of listening to that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I I think I'm going to have to go with Blind on that one. It's just (laughs) such a classic song. I've heard some covers of it that that I really like. And it was amazing when they played it live here. So I'm going to go with that. Well, episode over, because that was my exact same answer. Except I may, I may change. Um, Blind is definitely, I think, still my favorite face-to-face song. Uh, it's the only one I've ever learned how to play. <laughs> so I'm going to say that is my favorite song. But I might actually go out and potentially say How to Ruin Everything is my favorite album. I just hmm. have, I have so many like memories tied to that record. Yeah, and, which and the is way a big it, part of it. Yeah, and the way it closes, like they've the the title track, which is interesting. The title track is the last track, which it's also an acoustic track. Um, so that was a little different, I think, for them. There, there was a time, and I guess it came out during that time though, when like, um, like punk bands, pop punk bands, or whatever, would typically end with like a softer ballad, right? Right. And so they they definitely did that on this record, and I just thought. I just really liked it. I mean, Trevor Keith's voice is just, I think, even better. Like, you get to hear it on the acoustic album, right? Like, he's what he's not just yelling at you. <laughs> right. Yeah. For a guy who's not shoving things down your throat, he does an awful lot of yelling. <laughs> His sing voice is a yell voice. <laughs> yeah, he. I, I always thought he had a really cool and unique voice. When you put on yeah. one of their records or when you hear it, you, you know who it is, which I think yeah. is a really cool trait for a band that's been around for so long yeah, yeah. or just any band when you put it on it's like oh that's that band yeah yeah um yeah no, i know i i 100 percent. like he he's definitely got um he's got his own voice and uh that you can't say that for for every band i feel like maybe you could well, i don't know maybe it's just because the the like the legends have established themselves in that regard yeah yeah um but I was going to say, because like looking back on that time in music, I feel like maybe there was more variety in vocalists than there is now. But that could even be wrong. It could just be like, you know, a- attaching to those larger bands, those bands that had a bigger following. Well, there's a reason they set themselves apart, yeah. right? But yeah, um, I used to always think, and this could be very wrong, in my mind, I think someone had told me, and now I'm about to find out why I haven't done this before. I don't know. But... I had heard that English to Spanish, <laughs> I always, like, sometimes in my brain will refer to the, like, face-to-face as, uh, oh, what was it, vis-a-vis? But I, but I don't think that's face-to-face oh. in Spanish. Someone had told me that. Let's see. Face-to-face. No, not even close. Cara a cara. Okay. I don't know where where that came from, where I heard that, but anyway, I just had to. I figured this was a, an opportune time uh, to to look that up. <laughs> Does it mean that in a different language? I wonder. This is just going to start a rabbit hole, though, if I go too far down this. What are, well, what are just, common I, languages? I just got the low battery alert too, so 
Oh, if, it, if I am silent, it's not uh, from passing out from carbon monoxide. <laughs> it's not from what? From passing out due to uh, carbon monoxide. Oh, carbon monoxide. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, in that case, before you die on us, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> you could find uh, you could find the show. I, I really got to like simplify this. We're on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Twitter is at Growing Punk Pod. Instagram is at Growing Up Punk. I should really just like amalgamate those two and just make them both the same. Well, you just search it up and find it. Yeah. And then uh, Instagram for and Twitter for myself, I am, what am I? Growing up, David. Am I growing up? No, I'm David growing up. Oh, the, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get growing up, David, and it's like the Twitter is, I think it was a Twitter or an Instagram, one of the two. It's like some mom that's like was posting pictures of her kid, her son, who I'm assuming was David, but it's like hasn't been used for like a couple of years now. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> but it is what it is. You're on Instagram too, yeah? Yeah, and I've got a few people following me, so thanks oh, for... Oh, it's uh, happening. Thanks it's for happening. hitting me up. My life's changing. We're yeah, you got to say what your Instagram name is, though. <laughs> it is... It's all good that people are following you. <laughs> uh, now you got me second-guessing what it is. <laughs> Aaron Grew Up Punk. I think that's I think. what it was, yeah. Yeah, Aaron yeah. Grew Up Punk, yeah. That sounds about right. Uh, and of course, wherever you're listening to this, you can find it elsewhere in different places uh, because we're basically everywhere you can find podcasts. Although the other day I tried to find us on Google Play. I know I've submitted it, but I cannot find it. So I don't know. If you're listening on Google Play, reach out and let us know. It also doesn't help <laughs> that, I'm, that I'm on an iPhone and I don't have an Android. And so I'm just like, I just assume it's messing with me. But yeah, um, yeah we're on supposedly Google. We are on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on CastBox. We're on whatever radio player all the things as well as youtube so wherever you like to listen to podcasts we're there for you man we're there for you we're at your uncles we're at your second cousins you just gotta look and you'll find us we're at every family <laughs> reunion i guess <laughs> every really weird awkward family reunion we're there for you yes that's what i'm talking about yeah we're just never there face to face <laughs> Come on. The the end. The, the dad joke. <laughs> the dad joke was on fire. You made a dad joke earlier, so I get to make one. It wasn't even on the show, yeah. though. I said, I'm That's pumped true. to talk about face-to-face. And you said, you coming over tonight? No, you said I'm pumped to talk face-to-face tonight. Oh, yeah, tonight. that's right. Yeah. But I capitalized so, face-to-face. You just had to, yeah. you had to make the joke. It's fine. It's all good. Hey, That'll... And we, we are face-to-face over the internet, yeah. so look at that. I'm waving at Hi. you right now. <laughs> This is good podcast audio. We're waving at each other. <laughs> Keep waving. <laughs> All right. Can, That'll can do you it. you hear my hand waving? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's <laughs> enough for us. <laughs> so, adios. Goodbye. Peace. <laughs>